This is Building on the Solid Rock with Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel, Solid Rock. Let every family find faith in the Father's love. This is where it begins. This is our cry, this is our song, Jesus the way. We find our life in Him. They knew, according to Scripture, that the Holy Spirit was the third person of the Trinity. Three in one. And so they called together a council in 325, the Council of Nicaea. I'm sure you've heard of the Nicaean Creed, or maybe you've heard of it this way, the Apostles' Creed. That was written to combat or refute the heresy that the Holy Spirit was not The third person was not a person, but was just an essence. And so they wrote that creed to refute that and to establish that we believe three in one that the Holy Spirit was a person in the Trinity. You know, the media and advertisements around us will say that feeling good is the peak of life. They'll say, when you feel good, you're living your best life. Well, today, Pastor Troy says the Holy Spirit isn't a feeling, but a real person and the third person of the Trinity. God gives you the Holy Spirit so you can discern what's right and wrong. You receive the Holy Spirit if you believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins. When you believe and repent of your sins, the Holy Spirit is able to work within you and change you. Now, here's Pastor Troy in the book of John, chapter 15, with today's edition of Building on the Solid Rock. We are in John chapter 15, verse 26 through chapter 16, verse 15. I heard this illustration. It's kind of humorous. About a guy who lived in the woods, wasn't around a lot of the modern conveniences, and cut wood, made his living kind of cutting wood and and selling that. And uh, he heard about uh, this modern thing called the chainsaw. And so he decided... Maybe I ought to look into investing in one of these things. You know, maybe I can get more done. And so he goes into town and goes to a representative and decides, I want to get a chainsaw. I hear I can do more. Right now I'm chopping everything by wood, I'm, uh, by hand, and I'm doing a great job, but uh, I hear I can do more. He says, oh, you're going to do way more with this. So he takes the chainsaw and he goes home, uses it for a day, comes back the next day to the salesman, he says, look, I don't mean to discourage you, but this thing doesn't really help. I, I can do better than this, what I was cutting before. The salesman goes, that's impossible. There's no way. And so, so the, the, the guy takes it and you know, starts it to, to kind of see how this thing is working. The salesman takes it and starts it up. And as soon as the thing started up, you know the sound that they make. The guy who purchased it goes, what is that noise? You see, he didn't turn the thing on. He was trying to saw and cut like and chop and do everything that he could with this chainsaw, this new technology, but he didn't have the power that the chainsaw actually provided. Can you imagine trying to cut a certain number of cords of wood with a chainsaw and not starting it? All that adds is weight. It doesn't help. It'd be exhausting and frustrating, wouldn't it? 
If you don't know that, you can go try it. And yet, I paint that picture to say this. Christians every single day try to live victorious Christian lives without the power of the Holy Spirit. Like the guy who didn't know much about the chainsaw. And maybe it is that we don't know much about him. Well, over the last few weeks, we've learned that Jesus called his disciples friends. And that's a good thing. But we also saw that if you're going to be his friend, you're going to have a lot of enemies in this world. People who aren't as excited about the changes that are taking place in your life. Jesus is with his disciples right now. And he's already told them that he's going to be leaving. They weren't expecting that one. But he's going to be leaving. And that he's going to leave in their hands a commission, the work. There's work that they're going to be doing. So they've been a little discouraged, and he's been building them up, saying things like, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm, I'm going to be back, and I'm going to take you with me. And all you have to do, because they were concerned if he's gone, how are we going to do these things? He says, all you have to do, just, just pray, and I will, I will provide what you need. So he's been open with them, and he's also been open with them about uh, the, the fact that the world will hate them which means they won't have sympathy and help and understanding from the world, but that's okay too because he said, I'm going to send you a helper. You're going to need help. This helper will help them do any and everything that they needed to do in God's will. Of course, this helper we know is the Holy Spirit. We're going to be jumping around in our text today. We have a lot of text, but we're going to be jumping around in it just because we're going to paint a picture of who is the Holy Spirit. Next week, we'll we'll take a little more bite-sized chunk and and look at something specific, like what is he doing in the world? Today, we want to know who he is. Because maybe if we understand who he is a little bit better, maybe we can walk with his power a little more consistently and effectively. I pray that it affects our walk going forward. So let's read our text beginning in verse 26. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of synagogues. Yes, The time is coming that whoever kills you, that's kind of discouraging to hear, whoever kills you, that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? Because, but because I have said these things you, to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. 
It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. When he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will... Take of mine and declare it to you. So we want to take this, again, we're going to take a a smaller bit next week, focus on his work uh, in this world. Uh, Today we just want to know him. Who is he? The helper. First, we need to understand one thing about him. And that is the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, not a person in the sense like uh, David This David, or King David, he's not a person like Jesus when he walked in the flesh, but a person like the Father is a person of the Godhead, not just an essence or a force. The Holy Spirit is not an essence, not a force. In fact, the Holy Spirit is not an it. Never an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. So never refer to the Holy Spirit as it. Now, I say that because there were, in the beginning, we had, we had someone who was doing the announcements, and I, they, every time they would mention the Holy Spirit, they, they said it. So I pulled them aside and said, can you not refer to the Holy Spirit as it? He, he's a he. He's the third person of the, of the Trinity. And so we wanted to straighten that out. None of our current announcers did that, nor will they after today. <laughs> but... In this section, 13 times pronouns are used to refer to the Holy Spirit. A little English class today. And none of them are it. All of them are he, him, or his. When we speak of the wind, the wind's a force. The wind is a presence, obviously. It can move things. But we never say of the wind, the wind he is really blowing today. No, the wind is it. There's no personality to the wind. Yet with the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, I will send you help. The Holy Spirit, he will be with you. In fact, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the helper. The helper, not the force, but the helper speaks of one who helps. With personality and not just a force. You know, the idea began that the Holy Spirit was just a force back in 318 AD by a guy named Arius who said the Spirit of God is not a person but an essence, the essence of the Father. It's his essence in the world. Kind of like this. Have you ever heard someone say, I can, you know, their mom or their loved one passes away and they're in this moment. They can go, I can feel the presence of my mom. They'll say that. They're they're not there. Mom's not been freed from heaven or hell to, to participate 
with you. But what we feel is this closeness to them because we can, we, we can think about what they would have said, what they would have done. I mean, there's just something familiar about this that reminds us of everything they might have said or done, a familiarity. That's an essence. That's a, a feeling. And so he was saying that that's kind of like the Holy Spirit of the Father. It's like it's a spiritual experience, an essence. Well, that concerned the early church because they knew, according to Scripture, that the Holy Spirit was the third person of the Trinity, three in one. And so they called together a council in 325, the Council of Nicaea. I'm sure you've heard of the Nicene Creed, or maybe you've heard of it this way, the Apostles' Creed. That was written to combat or refute the heresy that the Holy Spirit was not the third person, was not a person, but was just an essence. There's so much more to learn from today's edition of Building on the Solid Rock, so be sure to stay tuned for the next part of Pastor Troy's message. Building on the Solid Rock is the radio teaching ministry of Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel Solid Rock in San Antonio, Texas. If you're in the San Antonio area, we'd love to have you join us in person for our weekly services on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. for a time of worship and learning from the Word of God. You can also come by on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for our in-depth Bible study. Learn more about the church and find directions at our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. That website again is buildingonthesolidrock.com. We hope to see you there. Now, here's Pastor Troy with more of today's message. And so they wrote that creed to refute that and to establish that we believe three in one that the Holy Spirit was a person in the Trinity. Now, since Arius and since all of that, false religions today have embraced that definition or that view, and they've built their faiths um, with that. The Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, deny the personhood of the Holy Spirit. I mean, they deny who Christ is also, but um, that's just the beginning of their heresy. And they say, I quote, The Holy Spirit is not an intelligent person but an impersonal, invincible, active force that finds its source and reservoir in Jehovah God. The Mormon church believes that God had a physical body, Elohim, had physical relations with Mary, producing a physical son, Jesus, and that the Holy Spirit is simply His force that moves his people, that moves people sort of like the wind, a good strong gust of wind would move you, right? Sort of like that. Christian science. Christian science was founded by Mary Baker Eddy. Uh, She experienced a dramatic recovery from a life-threatening accident after she read about Jesus' healings. And so she began to wonder, how did these healings happen? The science behind it, right? How did these healings happen? And so she began to to study how they may have happened and concluded that when we focus on the spirit of God's love, the essence of God, the spirit, the spiritual healing happens and we can actually produce life and healing. These things can be effective if we just focus on them and let them permeate our being. Just dwell on the love of God. So Christian science, there's a science to Christianity and healing and those things. 
And even today, we've got to be very careful. No Bible that would refer to the Holy Spirit as it is a good version of the Bible. Notice concerning the Holy Spirit, it says... Um, In 1526, uh, that's chapter 15, verse 26, he will testify. In chapter 16, verse 8, he will convict. Chapter 16, verses 13 and 14, he will guide. He will speak. He will declare. These are things a person does with personality, not a force or an essence. Not only that, but if we looked at Romans 8, 27, it speaks about the mind of the spirit. And Ephesians 4.30 speaks about grieving the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 5, Peter told Ananias and Sapphira that they had lied to the Holy Spirit. So I want, if you haven't got this already, I want to emphatically declare to you that the Holy Spirit is not an it, not an essence, not a force, but is a person, third person of the Trinity, just as Father Father doesn't have a body, but he's the first person. His role as father is the first person of the, of the Godhead. And the Holy Spirit, it would be the third person. And here's what we're going to see a, a little bit later, how that hierarchy sort of unfolds even here. I spent a little time on this, establishing that he's a person, because I mentioned earlier that maybe we don't understand him and maybe that's why we're not able to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, we have got to stop treating the Holy Spirit like some force that we muster up in our life. He's not some force that we, like, like adrenaline. Like, oh, I'm feeling it, I'm feeling it. And then all of a sudden, no, no, that's not the Holy Spirit, that's adrenaline. We can create an environment that feels like God's here. Oh, it's the Lord. No, it's just nice music, some incense, a beautiful voice. You know, it's an, invi- an ambiance. Not necessarily the Holy Spirit. R.A. Torrey wrote of many Christians, they are reaching out after and struggling to get possession of some mysterious and mighty power that they can make use of in their work according to their own will. But the Holy Spirit is to get hold of them. We must rejoice that there is no divine power that being so ignorant as we are, so liable to err, that we could get hold of and use. How appalling might be the results if there were. We're not, we're not summoning, feeling, uh, creating. And this is what's so concerning about some of the church culture today and its uh, worship and an environment, it's culture, it's trying to drum up some feeling that the Holy Spirit is actually there when the Holy Spirit may not be there at all. The question is never, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit? The question is, how can I surrender myself more to the Holy Spirit? Person. Okay, Second thing we need to really know and piggyback right on this, uh, he's a person, is the Holy Spirit is divine. That simply means he's God, the third person of the Trinity. Uh, Chapter 15, verse 26, Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit as coming from the Father. So the Holy Spirit has come from the Father just like the Son did, just like Jesus did. In chapter 16, verse 13, the Holy Spirit does not speak on his own authority. 
just like Jesus said of himself. I do not speak on my own authority. And we can see the structure, the hierarchy, the roles in this. Because in chapter 16, verse 14, Jesus says the Holy Spirit will glorify him, Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is going to come and glorify me. And the Holy Spirit is going to come and confirm or declare Jesus' word. And what did Jesus say about himself? Well, I came to glorify the Father. I came to declare the Father's, to reveal the Father to you. So we can see their roles. Jesus came and he set an example. He revealed God to us. And he paid the price of sin as the Savior. Well, the Holy Spirit has been poured out into the hearts of those who believe to restore the image of God in us, that we might become Christ-like. So he is not the Savior, but the sanctifier. An ongoing work, an active work in our life. So the Holy Spirit is a person The Holy Spirit is divine. Also, the Holy Spirit is discreet. Um, Another way of saying that would be the Holy Spirit is inconspicuous. Or we might say, he doesn't draw attention to himself, but is pointing people to someone else. Namely, Jesus. Now, Jesus had no problem accepting worship. The Holy Spirit is God. But he always points to Christ. See, Jesus was the the representation of his being. The rocks cried out at his entrance. The Holy Spirit always points people to Christ. He's discreet. Verse uh, 26, chapter 15. When the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Look at chapter 16, verse 9. He will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment of sin because they don't believe in me, Jesus. Now that's the part there we're going to break down a little bit more next week because we want to see what is he actually doing in this world. What's his big agenda? Because that affects what he does in us and through us. Also, chapter 16, verse 14, he will glorify me. That's, that's Jesus. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You could say the Holy Spirit is a lot like a, a stage director or the one who holds the light on, at a play. If you've ever been to a play, you know, they turn down the lights and the light, boom, it comes on and it's a spotlight that shines on. But when the light comes on, no one goes, oh, there's the light. There's the light. No, that's not what the purpose of the light is for. It shows a light on the star. And that's what the Holy Spirit's job and role is. Not to be visible and seen, but to point to Christ. To reveal Christ and to help people see Christ. To see His work, His hand. By the way, a good test to see if someone is filled with the Holy Spirit in what they are doing is not that they do it well. People can do things really, really well. They're gifted speakers, gifted musicians. I mean, there are people who do great things. Not because you feel goosebumps either. There are people who are duped into marriages and relationships because they felt goosebumps that weren't of the Lord. No, 
The way you can tell is if people begin to desire Christ, to know Christ. Not to desire the thing, not to desire the Holy Spirit more, although we do want His leading. We do want to be filled. But the emphasis is on first, Christ. That's all we have time for today on Building on the Solid Rock. Next time, Pastor Troy Neely will teach again in the book of John as he goes verse by verse and chapter by chapter through this gospel book. If this series has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send us an email at info at buildingonthesolidrock.com. That's info at buildingonthesolidrock.com. We love to hear from our listeners about their experience with this ministry. Let us know if you have any questions about our radio program. In addition to hearing encouraging messages on the radio, it's important to be involved in a local church. If you live in or are visiting the San Antonio area, come visit Calvary Chapel Solid Rock. You'll find service times on our church website. Just follow the link from buildingonthesolidrock.com. If you're unable to be there in person, join us online. That's all for today. Be sure to tune in again for more from the book of John on Building on the Solid Rock. Let the light of Christ shine as we grow in Him. Come have your way in us. Come